Welcome to the Brian Calkins Fitness Podcast. I am super excited for this episode. Today, we're going to talk about focusing on what's awesome and not on what's awful. I think we all tend to have a pattern where we tend to see what's not working versus what is working or portions of things that are going really, really well, but instead of looking at that, we see the smaller portion, much smaller portion of things that aren't exactly perfect yet. So then I'm gonna give you a 10-day mental challenge, and it's going to be maybe if you choose to participate in this challenge, it could be one of the hardest things you've ever done. But this is my promise to you. If you put in the effort to do the mental challenge, When you are done with the 10 days, you are going to naturally see a lot more awesome and a lot less awful. So if you're ready, let's get to it. We're going to focus on what's awesome rather than what's awful. And one of the things I want to do is take a look at a shortcoming of the fitness industry. Then I'm going to show you and give you a much better alternative. If you guys remember The Biggest Loser and Jillian Michaels and other popular TV portrayals of trainers and fitness coaches, these things used to drive me crazy when I'd watch it because it's 100% Hollywood. It's all made up. It's BS. Even if they call it a reality TV show, there's nothing real about it. It's the furthest thing from reality. You guys remember Jillian. Everybody thought she was awesome because, you know, she was that tough love in your face kind of trainer. You know, you'd see her on an episode, you know, perhaps humiliating, really humiliating overweight folks. She might be yelling at a woman asking her, what's in your hand? What is that? A donut? How typical. Get off your butt. Let's see some push-ups, you pathetic, unmotivated blob of goo. So thanks to those type of interactions on reality shows, there actually exists fitness coaches, trainers that are always on the lookout for awfulness. They're just like stalking. They're ready to pounce on us with some good old-fashioned, quote-unquote, tough love. In real life, most coaches would never, ever speak to clients in this cartoonish, extreme way. However, whether we realize it or not, whether it sounds nicer on the surface or not, plenty of fitness trainers engage in awfulness-based coaching. To me, that's horrible. When it comes to helping people, logic tells us, person has a problem, the trainer has a solution. You put the two together and results will follow. I think that's why the entire health and fitness field is full of assessments and subsequent weakness, obsession. Not happy with what the scale says? Well, we can just fix it with this diet plan. Oh, your glutes aren't turned on. We'll fix it with this exercise. Your diet's broken, we'll fix it with this menu. Yo, your blood has too much cholesterol? Okay, no problem, fix it with this supplement. Again, no matter how nice we dress up our language, fitness coaches spend a lot of time looking for flaws and rushing to fix them. There are two problems with this approach. First, most clients 
seeking health and fitness coaching are decidedly, definitely not screw-ups. Huh, pretty earth-shattering statement there, huh? But it really needs to be said because most trainers and coaches, they buy into the belief that they are the almighty and perfect, and somehow the client is the one who's flawed. However, the truth is that clients are typically outperforming their fitness coach or their trainer in at least one area right off the bat. I'm going to tell you, professionally, most of the relationships between trainer and client, the client is doing better than the trainer. It's not a judgment, but I'm just saying trainers need to recognize that they're not working with screw-ups and very likely the client is outperforming the trainer in several other areas as well. So in other words, there's a good chance that the person the trainer is condescending up to about their inadequate protein intake spends the rest of their day performing surgeries, uh, running a successful business, perhaps teaching at a university or negotiating a book of business twice as long as the trainer's book of business. So we need to stop as trainers as an industry, stop being so condescending, Mr. Mrs. Perfecto Trainer. Seriously, it's 100% inappropriate. It's really a gross attitude. This is important to recognize because you gotta you just keep in mind that the skills that the clients are using to be successful at work or, or any other area of their life can also be used in the service of health and fitness goals. So let's say your, your client is a great problem solver at work. Great. Let's apply that to your client's breakfast challenges. All right. Good problem solver. They can probably problem solve their breakfast challenges as well. But this really can only happen when the trainer stops acting superior to an inferior client. And the second problem with the whole model that the client is broken and the trainer is the almighty Mr. or Mrs. Fix-It, I saw that. The second problem is that no one likes to be made to feel like a screw-up. There's another no-brainer, right? It's demoralizing. It's demotivating. It kills the dynamic of a professional, well-working relationship between the client and the trainer. And ultimately, that will inhibit the results. Again, we need to stop this crazy, weird, self-absorbed behavior right now, fitness industry. The third problem, coaching, using a deficit model, for example, a core assumption that the clients are fundamentally flawed or they're defective or clients are lacking, often means that the client will never be or feel or do good enough. So... Under the deficit model, it's possible to make some improvements, maybe, for a client. But the core belief is that they are basically broken. Who wants to feel like they're broken? Think about how disempowering and discouraging that belief is. If someone is so screwed up, why even bother? We might as well just lie down with, of course, with poor posture and suck ice cream through a straw while waiting for our demise, waiting for the end of our days. It's why, in my opinion, it's essential to shift from what's bad or what's not working to what's good, what is working, which ultimately means thinking less about awfulness, what the client might not be great at yet, 
and more about awesomeness, what the client is currently really, really, really good at. So with an awesomeness-based coaching approach, we want to discover and bring to light where is the client winning outside of health and fitness and what skills are they using to win in those areas? Because skills and knowledge are 100% transferable. So if you're struggling, struggling in a certain area, ask yourself regarding your skills. What do you already know how to do? Write that down. With respect to knowledge, what information do you already know? With respect to your expertise and experience, what are you already doing well? And write that down, your interest. What do you like to do? What do you enjoy? Your talents. What are you naturally good at? The times that you have no problems. When does the challenge you're facing not happen? So if it's a breakfast challenge you're having, certainly there have been times when you had a good breakfast. So write all these things down. Once we learn or remember where you are awesome, we simply need to develop the types of tasks that interest you and use the same skills and talents to approach an area you're not great at yet. We simply need to work toward a goal that inspires you and excites you. Let's, hey, uh, let's get straight here. At some point in everybody's life, losing weight is not inspiring. It's not, it doesn't excite people. That's okay. We need to find other goals that might inspire you or might excite you, perhaps something relevant to your life. If you now are a professional, if you now are a mother of three children, if you now you know, are a good neighbor, no longer is the most important thing in your life being whatever you weighed back when you were a sophomore in high school. For real, you have other things that are way more important, all right? So we have to just simply take the things that are important to you, perhaps, Maybe it is you want to be able to keep up with your daughter on a hike in Boulder, Colorado with that you're going to go do this summer. Whatever. You have to find that thing that really is inspiring to you. And let's use that. All right? Let's stop this ridiculous model that somehow we're broken. Instead, we're going to use your awesomeness to shape your goals to solve health and fitness challenges, to come up with next action steps. And daggone it, that's a lot better than get off your butt and give me some burpees, you pathetic Twinkie addict. Am I right? If you're with me here, stay tuned. We're going to share a little bit more, a 10-day mental challenge to help you start to focus on the things that are awesome versus the things that are awful. the 10-day mental challenge. This exercise can turn your life right side up. It can enable you to take control of your mind by not allowing yourself to hold a negative thought consistently. Are you ready? If so, here are the rules. Number one, over the next 10 days, refuse to hang on to any crummy thoughts or feelings or questions or words or metaphors or pretty much past experiences 
You can't hold on to that. That's number one. Number two, when you catch yourself focusing on something negative, of course you will, we all do, immediately ask yourself questions to get you to a better place. There are going to be some problem-solving questions that I will share with you in the show notes. In today's podcast show notes, there will be a link that you can go click on the questions and you'll get a PDF where you can print them out, okay? So number two, when you catch yourself focusing on anything negative, and of course you are, you, we're human, we're gonna have a negative thought. It's just part of being human. You need to immediately ask yourself problem-solving questions to get yourself into the positive. Number three, when you wake up in the morning, ask yourself the morning power questions. Those will also be in the show notes. Just before you fall asleep at night, ask yourself the evening power questions also in the show notes. Doing both the morning and the evening questions are going to do wonders for helping you feel good, okay? Number four, for the next 10 consecutive days, focus completely on solutions rather than on problems. That's the whole focus on what's awesome and what not what's awful, okay? Number five, here we go. If you have a bad thought, a negative thought, a lousy thought, a crummy thought, if you have a crummy question or feeling, don't beat yourself up. Just change it, change it immediately. Now, here's the, here's the deal. If you dwell on any negative thought, feeling, action, metaphor, past experience for more than five minutes, you must wait until the following morning and start the 10 days over. The goal here is 10 consecutive days without dwelling on a negative thought. Anytime you dwell too long on the negative, you must start over no matter how many days in a row you've already met the challenge. I want you to know that the power of this 10-day mental challenge is truly amazing. If you stick with it, it will start a parade of benefits in your life, I promise you, that will not stop. Here are just four things doing this 10-day mental challenge will give you. Number one, it will help you see the mental habits that get in your way. So we have been running certain habits and patterns for many, many, many years, decades, perhaps most of our adult life, perhaps way into our uh, childhood as well. And they are so routine that they fire, they happen, they occur automatically. And so we're no longer conscious of them. This 10-day mental challenge is going to help you see these things and identify it. Awareness is always the first step. Once you start to be aware and you're going to be surprised, trust me, I think for the most part, I'm a fairly positive person and it's surprising how much negative thoughts that you have, okay? So just be prepared for it to be a little bit of, whoa, I can't believe I keep thinking about these negative thoughts. It's just part of our conditioning. It's part of, it's just been a part of us for such a long time. Number two, it's gonna make your brain search for more powerful, helpful alternatives. So it's gonna start you, get you in a new pattern to focus on awesomeness rather than awfulness. Number three, it's gonna give you a tremendous boost of confidence as you, can, as you begin to see that you can make some very, very important, meaningful changes in how 
your brain operates and how you perceive the world in instead of looking at things by default as awful you start to look at things by default as awesome and number four it's going to create new habits obviously it's going to give you like a new standard um, and create new expectations that will help you really enjoy your life more and more every day let's take a look at questions so did you know that we ask ourselves questions all day long. It's a pattern that we all have. And our questions control our focus, they control how we think, and they control how we feel. And really the quality of our life comes down to the quality of questions that we ask. So questions, we wanna design better questions to ask ourselves. Instead of asking, why is life so unfair? Uh, so let's say that we get a flat tire, the first thing, oh, I was rushing, I was late to get to a meeting or to get, pick up my kids from school and now I got a flat tire. That first question that we might fire off in our brain unconsciously is why is life so unfair? That is gonna keep us stuck in feeling like life is unfair, problems always happen to me, you know, I can't do anything about it. And as soon as we start to go into that loop where we feel like we can't do anything about it we're going to stay stuck so instead here are some problem solving questions that you can ask and again don't write these down you can find them in the show notes but anytime you have a negative thought these are the questions that you want to come back to you want to write down the question and then write down the answers to these questions and i recommend you do it long form the way we did back in grade school where you wrote everything out don't do it on a computer there's actual more um, energy that comes it's a it, it there it's a better outcome when you actually write it um, it's a kinesthetic experience versus typing it into a computer okay so my suggestion write it out here are some problem solving questions for you number one what is great about this problem so let's say somebody you know if we use me my industry as an example a problem could be well i haven't exercised as much as i want in 2021 this year you know here we are in march haven't exercised as much as i want well what's great about this problem your brain's gonna say nothing you know i'm and if your brain works like my brain can work you're I'm, this is how i'm answering my question i haven't exercised as much that's because you're a loser brian you are a slacker. You're just lazy. I mean, these are habitual patterns of questions and answers that we ask, and we want to start to change that. How empowered is anybody going to be if they haven't exercised as much as they want in the last two months, and the answer is because you're a lazy butt, because you're, you're pathetic, <laughs> because you're a loser. I mean, come on. Do you think from that feeling of being a loser you're going to come up with some empowering alternatives of course not so we need to ask better questions what's great about this problem here's a better answer what's great about this problem is the fact that i recognize that i haven't exercised as much as i like do you know how many people don't even think about exercise or they don't even think about what they eat and it takes some major episode in their life like a heart attack or some kind of a health scare by their doctor to say you need to start exercising all right if you feel like you're not exercising enough good that's a great situation it's a great problem you're aware of it that's key number one 
The second question you're gonna ask, what's not perfect yet? And that's easy to answer. What's not perfect yet is kind of going back to what the problem is. The problem is you haven't exercised enough, okay? Write it down, I haven't exercised enough in 2021. But the good news is it's presupposing that it's gonna be perfect. When you ask it, what's not perfect yet? Hey, we're moving that direction. Number three, question. What am I willing to do to make it the way I want? What a great question. What am I willing to do to make this problem, this situation, this challenge, the way I want to make it? Well, perhaps instead of having these rigid rules, Brian, that you've had about what exercise is, it's got to be this perfect 15-mile bike ride with 1,500 feet of elevation, all done within an hour on a stand-up bike that almost nobody else can get accomplished in an hour. If that's what a workout is, well, you're going to feel like a failure many times. But instead, if you say, you know what, a workout simply to qualify for a workout, I have to get my workout clothes on. I have to go do my activity for five minutes. Boom, and it qualifies. Why don't we set up the game to win as opposed to fail? Okay, so what's not perfect yet is I'm willing to change my rules around what a workout is. Now, it's not trickery. I'm not tricking myself in, but I, how much better would you feel if you got 40 workouts in over the past two months versus five workouts in? It just feels better. And once you get moving five minutes, that starts to create momentum to do a little bit more. It's better to do five minutes than zero minutes, okay? Question four is a really good one. What am I willing to no longer do in order to make it the way I want? Uh, let's see, what am I willing to no longer do? All right, so one answer could be, I'm no longer willing to have two days missing in a row. Imagine if that was your standard. If you miss a day, okay, no big deal. But your commitment to yourself for the rest of 2021 is to never have two misses in a row. So you could work out Monday. Oops, I overslept Tuesday. Okay, that means I'm on the line. I got to do it Wednesday. You did it Wednesday. And let's say the kid got sick on Thursday. Okay, that means I need to show up on Friday. You get the idea. You're only going to miss. You're gonna, your misses are going to go way down. Plus, momentum starts to kick in. What if that became your new standard? I will never miss two workouts in a row. That's one thing that you're no longer willing to do two misses in a row what else could it be i'm no longer willing to obsess and beat myself up when i do screw up or when i'm not perfect all right none of us are gonna be perfect we're human beings all right let's stop bashing ourselves what else are you willing to no longer do make excuses all right you're willing to tell yourself the truth all right hey i'm just feeling lazy right now all right number four great question and number five, perhaps another really important question, how can I enjoy the process while I do what is necessary to make it the way I want? How can I enjoy the process? I think this is so important. If we do this thing called exercise and it's always painful, it's always you know difficult, ultimately, we're not gonna stick to it long-term. We are, our bodies, from a physiological standpoint are designed to get away from pain 
and move toward pleasure. All right. So all that means is how, what, what can we do to make it enjoyable? How about celebrate at the end of a workout or halfway through the workout? I made it 30 minutes. I made it 15 minutes. Celebrate that. Give yourself acknowledgments that you do, that you're on track, that you're doing something good for yourself. Feel good. Feel the energy that comes from moving for five minutes. Get outside more. Make a list of 20 things that you love to do that are activities or movement or exercise. All right? What else could you do? How about get rid of these rules that make everything so rigid? Again, going back to, to I'm the king of rigidity. You know, I'm going to tell you that if it's not a certain way for me personally, it doesn't count. Got to get rid of that stuff, all right? You got to make it easier for you to enjoy the process and easier to feel like you're succeeding. So those are the problem-solving questions that you can use anytime during the 10-day mental challenge where you're starting to see a problem. You're starting to feel negativity. You're starting to focus on the negative aspects of life or of a problem, etc. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in, listening to today's podcast. A little bit different than what we've done in the past, right? If you enjoyed today's podcast, please do me a favor. If you're on iTunes, if you would give me a five-star rating, the more, pe- the more positive ratings we get, the more we're going to show up in people's feed. And share this with a friend. If you have a friend who is kind of down in the dumps, needs some positivity, needs to take the 10-day mental challenge, please share this podcast with them. All right? And the other thing, so again, just a little bit different today, but I want you to know that the reason we're doing this is because the 10-day mental challenge, really, if you put in the effort, and I told you at the start of this podcast, it's not going to be easy. If you put in the effort, though, it, it can be a truly amazing and awesome experience for you. If you stick with it, it's going to start a parade of benefits in your life that will not stop. All right. So thanks again for tuning in. Have an excellent day and we'll talk to you soon.